Um, hey guys. All right, so we're starting. Um, do we have a? Um, every, I say this every single. Welcome to the Learning to Lose podcast. Uh, we have uh, Michaelis uh, from Bali. He's on the this, on the phone <laughs> here. Really excited about What's that, up, guys. And then we have Sarah, who's only got like you know another thirty minutes, but she came all the way from Arizona just to hang out with us here. Yeah, yeah hello. We just left. Yeah. I guess so. Damn. I thought she said five minutes is what she needed. Yeah, man. It's tricky. And then that's Tullus. He just came from Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Uh, he's like helping us manage this house. He knows the structure really well. Um, but yeah, so Sarah came from Arizona. Until <laughs> <laughs> I told you to. <laughs> Yeah, funny is this thing. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, so I, I just before we get go to Michaelis, let's just give Sarah a chance to tell to tell us why she's here. Yeah, I mean, I started following Pat and Veronica and Billy and Danielle about a year ago from this month, actually, um, right before quarantine actually hit. And then it's something that I've kind of been into since then, and I've followed about everybody on all platforms. Yeah, let's get rid of the cat. It's like I told you. super gnarly. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, he's it's attention. Really it's cute. But yeah, um, I came out today. I got here around 12.30, and I've been here since. It's now 10 or 7. only out here for the day? Yeah, I leave tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What time? Uh, 2 p.m. Okay, cool. Yeah, so a quick trip, but definitely worth I really wanted to come to this meeting, the 7.30 meeting. Yeah, this was a perfect day to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really looked out. Um, oh, you didn't even, like, have it. You didn't even know. You didn't no, think. I literally hopped off the plane and messaged Jordan and was like, hey, what are you doing today? What's you, up? You, you didn't, like, know, like, oh, Mondays are the Sermon on the Mount. Right? I did, I did. And I had originally asked both him and Wickham, Jordan and Wickham, if it was a public thing, if, like, if I could come. And that was my first question to them was, can I attend this? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So I was like, well, if I book a flight, like, will you guys be available to get, like, lunch or coffee? And they were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we didn't do that, but I just hung out here all day. Yeah, we just we she texted Jordan. And she was like, so, but just yeah. So, so uh, you've been following us, and and and, and it, she has learning to lose like in her bio. It's an amazing concept. Like it's in her bio. Like you're not it's giving in her enough Instagram credit. Bio. I don't, that doesn't really mean anything to Billy, but Bukalis, you understand that. I do understand that. I like went to her page. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Like she's really you know, all in on the whole thing. So I was really excited to see you. And Yeah, thanks for having me. Are you exhausted after being here this long? Are you No, good? I'm actually, th- I'm thrilled. I think, I think I'm so <laughs> motivated about this learning to lose thing is because it's the first thing I've come across where I'm like, I want to get involved. And I don't think I've ever come across anything where I've been like, yeah, that's it. That's the message I want to spread. And what about the message like really resonates with you? It's the honesty of it. Right. It's it's the self-reflection, yep. it's the daily check-ins, it's the consistency, it's it's about having and creating a program that is actually going to work mm-hmm. because I've had a lot of friends go through a lot of programs that have really just, if anything, depleted their energy. So I'm happy to see someone actually doing something effective 
And with social media, I think that's honestly a huge part of it is because I wouldn't have found you guys if it wasn't for social media and you guys can spread all of this faster with social media. And I want to spread it. That's it's like the like the kind of like raw open communication. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like where people are like burying their souls pretty much and like, you know, being feeling like okay with doing that, right? And the whole right off the bat, Pat's all fear, insecurity. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? I forget what it was. But um mm. just admitting, oh, like admitting that. that you can be hurt that we're hurting. That yeah, hurt exactly us. to yeah. be vulnerable. And nobody is willing to do that these days. Nobody wants to get honest with themselves. They want to get honest with other people about what other people are doing, but they don't ever want to reflect it back on themselves and break down why they're doing what they're doing. They just want to do it for other people. And so you can't really help other people unless you've already broken down yourself. So I feel like that's what drew me in is because you were so mentally tapped in. Veronica was so mentally tapped in. I could just tell by the language that you were using that it was it was something I wanted to get involved with, for mm-hmm. sure. Cool. We're glad you're here. Thanks. And um, are you so? Where are you? Are you sleeping here in the house or? No, my friend from West Hollywood has been so gracious to let me stay. Oh, and they're gonna come get you in a half hour. Jordan's gonna drive me back. Oh. Cool. Yeah. So can you see Billy? I can. Well, I can see something that could be Billy. Like, oh, I can see Billy. Yeah. yeah, there's like a thing. There you go. So, um, yeah, a, he's got that lean on. Well, it's just been awesome seeing like that, like the message that, that like is really, like, you know, yeah, that we're good. giving out here is like is impacting people and like really resonating with someone. Like you know. Yeah. That's just makes it, it's encouraging for me. I'm sure it's encouraging for Pat and Billy. Yeah, and it's all weird of us. how like uh, everything's sort of coming together on God's time. And, and and everything's like it's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. Prosser, Michaelis, you showing up like tall um uh Woody kind of falling out of the fucking TikTok sky, like watching these guys twenty four hours a day. The clients, like it's really, really, really wild. You know what's impressed the fuck out of me though? Out of all the stuff is the way you you've treated and acted and and are getting somewhere with Caleb because mm-hmm. you could have any other place would have just kicked him out no yeah. money you're out of mm-hmm. here right well I mean yeah we have 20 but, beds but the thing like, is he was like a pathological liar yeah something. but you could just I don't know I feel like I've seen enough he's not entitled you know how like if you see that entitlement with with, with like you know yeah he doesn't have he's like just kind of wants to be a part he's feeling so well the thing is he is like grabbing on and he's stepping up yeah. and it's really neat to see I, I, I could just tell that he would be like a good house dude person. he literally just came up to me like after like writing all his words and doing all his stories like told us is there anything I can do for you yeah so it's he like came, dude like that's like he, he came I mean, in and, and it was honest you know it was honest and from like a, a pure intent like you know he wasn't trying to like manipulate me or like get like you know, kudos for doing it. It was like I think he he, the, the, he felt genuine in his like like offering service to me. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean that's what. And when he really came into the me. house, when he came in, he was on that tip, and I could tell he was like a dude that had a lot of energy and a lot of like love to give, and someone who wanted, who was willing and um, not honest, but like not entitled. And I think that's I'm just learning, but I feel like you can kind of tell. I, I feel like when someone comes in. You can kind of tell, like, if they're going to be, like, a hard case, you know, or, like, like, 
where like I, I don't even want to like name names, but I feel like out of every single dude who's here, he, you know, we've only been open for a month, so nobody really has a whole lot of time, and I think he's, I feel like he's the guy, the pillar in the house, right? I think absolutely. I think yeah. he's also going to be like a big leader in the house and like he's, you know, the experiences he's went through is going to, he's going to be able to like impart a lot of like his past experience in this house and like how it's helped him and benefited him on other people that are coming through. Yeah. I think the thing is he's not afraid to like say you're fucking up to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause you know, he's got, you got his back. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, he's been honest and it's worked. So whatever i just think it's kind of cool to to watch that and so he doesn't have cash but you say look let us what take off your headphones why are they scraping no because just trust me i think everyone should just take their headphones off um yeah that's all i just watched that little bit there and i thought it was cool yeah he's pulling people up but you really gotta watch how people talk to each other and I feel like I, I, I've noticed that like like even just yesterday after um, Lovey was like I don't want to be called Lovey I want to be called or no he, did, did I tell you about this Michaelis? No but I remember like coming in just after like I guess you guys were dealing with him and his family member was saying something about it yeah so Lovey is his um, not his real name and and Louis Louis is his real name and 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 after we sort of finished family group everyone in the house started like telling him he should do this and should and he was like i'm leaving because everyone people are like can be mean in the house to each other and then they can they can get blown out just from what other people are saying to them so i'm like we got to really make sure that we're cultivating a certain kind of energy like loving energy so that they're not all like shitting on each other and yeah, but like, you know, like what we do here is like we called group right right when we found out that like people were ganging up on someone that was in a vulnerable spot and like we called out those guys that were doing that and made them be aware like you know you need to have compassion and, and like love and care for your fellow alcoholic or at least respect it was respect too and like we know like it's not their place to decide like what name louis uh, is gonna go by because now he wants to go by Louie because well, he worked yeah. through the things with his sponsor, if you want to get into that. So, like, at our Sermon on the Mount meeting, he he introduced <laughs> himself as Louie. He's like, hey, guys, I'm Louie. I'm an alcoholic. Everyone Give me clapped. goosebumps, dude. Well, and like, everyone started clapping. That's cool. Yeah. Just because, you know, really he, cool. it's a huge surrender that he made on his own. Well, he needs that, too. And I just feel like there are two different ways to, like, approach these kids. It's like you can tell them what's up, give them the chance, and see what they do with it. See if they come to that conclusion and that surrender on their own without like forcing it. Like I feel mm-hmm. like there's certain sober livings that I feel like might have been like, oh, that's not your real name. Well, we're gonna make you start saying your real name. Well, and like you know, he comes down, threatens to leave, and wants his phone. And they probably just would be like, okay, here's your phone. You know, if you can get a ride, you can get a ride. Right. And like also like like we had to like I had to talk to him for. 30 minutes during family group to try to convince him to stay and hug him and just he's got the fear of abandonment thing so i was like dude you're welcome here we want you here we love you i don't know a lot of people don't have that environment seeing things like that is like why i i came to to work here yeah like that's like the inspiration but we also get to be tough you were hugging on him 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I hug him all the time. Just because I know he needs it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you can be tough and you can still, you know, give that person the reassurance that you're going to still be here tomorrow and yeah. you're still going to want to help them tomorrow. And just because y'all have one bad moment, will be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you been talking to Caleb, Michaelis? I mean, a little bit here and there, mostly just in groups lately. Is he, he seems to be doing all right. Is he calling you, or what do you think about Caleb? It's hard to tell yet. I mean, he's still, again, everything is so new and fresh, and I know that it takes a little bit of time for people to actually show up. You know, and even That's when they the make day. some big surrenders in the beginning, like, we have to be a little bit patient, you know? Greg, will you make sure that Caleb put my snakes back? So can you, can you just give me the rundown on how... Michaelis is involved now. And- so, yeah, so Michaelis, I mean, Michaelis was my sponsor 10 years ago, and, and Chris is sponsor. And, and I remember kind of seeing him at the house a, a, a little, a, a few times, this other sober living. We're kind of starting to go by the other, this other sober living yeah. that we went to. That, that's I, I, got, I gathered that. Yeah. I just feel like it's a little bit cleaner. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Wait, Michaelis was also in Liberty House? Yeah, actually, Larry. Oh my was, God, what'd you say? Larry was his sponsor. Just joking. Like, he was like. Wait, what? Did, I didn't hear what he said. Well, we were just talking about saying this, uh, the other sober living, and then you just straight up said Liberty oh, House. Oh, I, I just screwed up. Is <laughs> that what you're saying? It's fine. Nah, I'm just dude. playing with you. No, nobody. Oh. Re- this isn't. Right now, we're not really. I was there in 99. 99 yeah and, his, and larry was his sponsor the owner of the house yeah yeah, yeah. okay I mean, he was deep in it and um since then um well now now he's uh i don't know he just he's a part of the groups yeah it's um uh michaelis is a, car, a part of the groups you can't yeah you don't have to we're not going to we're done so uh Michaelis is doing three book studies a week here at mm-hmm. um, Graceland on, on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually going to be taking Tim through the book, which is really, really insane. That's, like, what, why? Why does Tim wants to? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could answer this, Michaelis. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had an intervention on him, I guess, yesterday, right? Yeah. Was that yesterday or two days ago? I don't know. All my days are kind of melting together. But, and, but wait um, a minute. Why now? You know, we, Why did you intervene now? Was Did he do... Did he get... Wait, you don't know about this? No. Okay, so we had a big intervention oh, on him okay. yesterday. All, our, all my friends have been noticing that he's... He's slipping? Yeah. So we all came together and we... And Michaelis hosted, hosted the intervention on Zoom. Okay, sorry to cut you off, Michaelis. Okay. No, it's all good. So, I mean, we got to the point where, you know, he's saying he's willing to not drink again. And then, you know, we added, of course, like drugs to the stipulation. And I was just like, okay, cool. Well, that's a nice commitment. But how are you going to do that, basically? You know, and so we got him to commit to doing the 12 step stuff. And then I guess you guys actually were the ones who decided that you wanted me to be the person to take him to the work. So that's kind of how it came to be. Wait a minute. Tim said he's not going to drink. Or use. Until yeah. he finishes the steps with Michaelis. That's the commitment. Oh. So he's got to finish the book, but he's got to also like work the book. Oh, he's like sober. Like the book is supposed to be worked. He's sober. 
And he bet he's going to be sober or else we're not fucking with him. You mean like production? None of us are. I like everything. What, you mean partner? Yeah, all of it. I mean... Friends, all that stuff. Yeah, it. it's hard to... Yeah. I mean, he, something has to change. <sighs> okay. That's so... Damn, f- there's never a dull moment around here, is there? Dude, it was gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> it was really gnarly. It was actually really nice, though. It was a really loving group, and it was cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, they care about him. That's why they're doing it, right? But still... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was funny. I can't wait to start editing this thing because Tim sits down and goes, all right, guys, so, like, I get it. I'm here. Like, I'm going to stop. So, like, you know, uh, let me just say a couple that. things. And then, what? I saw that. You, well, you saw yeah, he was basically like, I mean, you guys can skip. We don't need to hear from, like, all these stories. It's all good. I'm just, I'm ready. You but know, then, I'm basically, like, but not then, giving anyone an opportunity to talk. It was amazing. But then Chris jumped in. Chris Saavedra was like, Tim, you're not directing your own intervention. Chris was tough, dude. Yeah, I'm so glad that I had Chris. And today I was on the phone with Chris for a long time because like last night he just showed up at my house with a girl. Like everything was fine. Like no, like there was nothing wrong. And I was like, there was just something kind of off about that. And I think Veronica's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? He just like was hanging out. He just basically stayed at my house after the intervention, hung out all day, invited a girl over and just chilled and ate Erewhon and like gummy bears all night and watched a movie with Veronica on the couch and this girl. Yeah. Too bad. I mean, has he gone to a meeting? He hasn't called me. No. Can I ask you a question now? Hold on a second. Okay. He came to the meeting tonight, but he seemed like really dismissive, in my opinion, mm. of kind of like the whole thing, like kind of like made like these like comments about like resentments and whatnot. And then like that guy kind of uh, the guy with the, the gauges in his ear made a comment about Paul, Paul about uh, like, you know, it's like, you know, if you have like a higher power and you're living like a spiritual life, you know, that's just how you deal with resentments. And like he had like kind of like a smart ass comment about it, which I like that's the vibe I was picking up, you know, I. So I'm, I'm surprised that he was saying he was going to be working the steps when you just said that, Pat. I felt a little bit of resistance. I'm just Not a lot, just a little bit. That that's happening. But I guess he's forced into it, right? What else is he going to do? You guys gave him an ultimatum. Yeah. Oh, man. Wickham forgot to start the screen recording. Oh, so what happens? We didn't get... So, Michaelis, I have a question Plus, about... Plus, we have to hit that camera every I have a question minutes. about that. You know, we were actually talking about this in the the Sermon on the Mount meeting. Hat was about how, um, you know, you, you know, when you have a person that you want to get help and you want them to help, you know, achieve sobriety, you have to give them, like, ultimatums and tell them, like, hey, you're, you're out of my life unless, you know, you get sober. I will not help. I will not continue to enable you. But when that person is, like quote unquote, doing what they're supposed to be doing, I guess, by like, you know, going through, like, you know, going through the, it seems like, you know, he's going to be doing it in like a really disgenuous way. Like, how do you go about that? I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. Like if he's, if he's going through the book, right? Right. 
But then he's also like launching himself into taking other people through the book, the way that the book talks about me to do that, you know, which is like with desperation and volume, basically, it will work itself out. You know, that's been my experience with that. Whether people believe it or not or whatever, it just winds up shifting who they are. Because in the end, like, our problem is self, right? Right. So if they're constantly practicing getting out of self, whether they believe it or not, it that's naturally happen. That's gonna battle the issue. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. So like you know, like like the book will do with magic in a sense. Like if he's working. Yeah, totally. I mean, look. I mean, if he doesn't agree with it, or if he dismisses it, or if he thinks it's a joke, but he's still working with two people a day in the big book. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, message is going to outweigh his message eventually. It's impossible to read that book and not have something hit you right in the middle of the forehead. At some point, totally. At some point. Absolutely. There's so, it's like, I've never seen, it's like the most amazing book in the sense that like, there, it doesn't matter who you are, there's something in that book that will speak directly to you in the most personal way. And it's like, it, I mean, I, I mean, I've been through the book multiple times and like, I, I still like read sentences that I feel like I'm reading for the first time. Absolutely. All the time. And then it's just I get really it. cool. I'm like in that. the book every day, a few times a day, and it's still amazing to me. It hasn't gotten boring yet. Right. What book? So the big book. Oh. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> the all important one. Yeah, hopefully he'll be all right. Let's we'll see what happens. Of course he'll be all right. Hey Michaelis. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? Not at all. So can I ask you before you got sober, kind of what, what your thing was and what you were doing? Um, what I thought I was doing or what I was actually doing? <laughs> I guess both. I don't know. What I thought I was doing was, you know, a big gangster meth manufacturer running with the Chinese triad mafia. Um, fucking strippers and prostitutes and living that high life what i was actually doing was i was just being homeless and like mooching and living off people for free drugs i did not have a car i did not have a relationship with my family i didn't have a place to stay i didn't have anything and i was just depending on my i don't know what i was depending on to get me through whatever you know mm. and the best that i could really do with my life was end up in jail over and over how long have you been clean? 21 years. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah. I, 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 I just have to... Uh, I just asked, I was asking pre-sobriety, I'm just, you know, I don't really know Michaelis. I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk to him like everyone else, so I'm just a little curious about who he is oh, and where he comes from. Ask away. I did. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Especially all the Asian triad, for I forget Mafia what. Mafia weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, it was interesting times. Were you carrying a gun or was it, I mean... No, I wasn't carrying guns. They were carrying guns, 
but so you I were involved with these people, but you just weren't like as involved as you wanted to be or thought you were. I mean, yes, I guess so. I lived with them, so I was that involved, but mm. I mean, I wasn't the muscle of the group, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I thought I was in my mind, but I really, you know, I wasn't. But all that kind of like idea of being the muscle of anything just goes back to like stuff with my father, where my father had a very like uh, physically dominating prowess. And um, when he walked into a room, everyone was kind of like afraid of him. And I've always wanted validation from him or him to respect me or love me. And so I thought by acting like that person, that would be a path because I couldn't get it any other way. So I really tried to you know, become that person in any way that I thought possible. Well, you look like but that again, person to me, but I can relate with you. My dad was a bodybuilder. He actually used to work out with Arnold. Oh, cool. That's yeah. Cool. And he's like one of those people that walks in the room and everyone goes like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I I'd inherited the like skinny Italian Sicilian genetics and I never could like put on muscle or anything like he, like him. But, uh, I kind of always still even fantasize about being just that fucking tough, badass motherfucker that walks in the room, you know, and, um, yeah, it's a thing, especially when it's your dad, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I found out when I was 30 that my dad was an assassin for the Israeli army, you wow. know, and he was like undercover in America in his first few years. Like he was one of those guys that killed the first terrorist that whole munich thing you know so Whoa. he was a really well this is like fiction this this reality is better than fiction yeah. it's crazy right yeah it's really nuts so you found that out when when i was 30 my dad started well i mean he was having nightmares a lot like in general and uh, he started to see a therapist and i guess this therapist basically told him to start writing it down. And so he got this idea to write a book. And how I found out was one day he's like, here, here Michaelis, here's the first chapter of my book, you read it. And I was like, okay. And I read it and I was like, oh shit. You know, so basically that's how it was so nice. broken down to me, which really tied everything together because at that time I had, you know, like eight years of sobriety and had worked in treatment and kind of had a somewhat of a psychological background. So it made me understand like why he was so emotionally shut off, especially having a double life and keeping all that from on top of the killing itself. You know what I mean? So it allowed me to have a lot of forgiveness and understanding for, for him and let go of a lot of resentment actually. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was cool. So you're good with it now? Yeah, totally. I'm good. My family doesn't uh, really talk to me for other reasons, but um, I'm good with them. I love them, you know? Oh. I'm just trying to, now that she's gone, I'm trying to use this mic. Uh, see if you guys can hear him now. So, uh, what, 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 what is, um, what, what is alcoholism? Who are you asking? You, bro. <laughs> alcoholism and drug addiction are the same thing, and they're basically just a threefold disease of the body, mind, and spirit. 
basically what makes an alcoholic an alcoholic first is the physical allergy which means that if you put drugs or alcohol in your body you can't necessarily control what's going to happen next as the disease progresses that lack of control of course gets greater because again in our early using sometimes in the beginning of it we do have moments of control and times of control um, the way that we know that it's a physical allergy and a physical craving is that there are times when our mind is trying to manage our drinking or using one way, but once we put the drug or alcohol in our body, our body does more than we intended. So it's actual physical craving. Yeah, Billy, you can put your headphones back on. And that's really what like, defines alcoholism at the start. The second part of alcoholism is the mind stuff, and that's the mental obsession. The mental obsession is not necessarily thinking about drinking and using all the time, because not everyone can relate to that. I couldn't relate to that, because I was drinking and using all the time, so I didn't have to think about it. But it's the ability to believe a lie. And the lie that I believe in the end is that I do not have the physical allergy. Now. As the mental obsession obtain, uh, pertains to alcoholism, it's strictly around drugs and alcohol, but the mental obsession in and of itself is not alcoholic. It's a human condition. Everyone believes lies. Everyone writes stories in their heads. Everyone has a different perception than everyone else of certain things, you know? And then there's the spiritual malady, which is not also um, only for alcoholics, the spiritual malady is basically the anger, the worry, the doubt, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the feeling lost, the feeling alone, the feeling hopeless, the being in a room full of people and feeling totally alone. Um, and that's what all human beings get to feel. But the thing with alcoholics is that those feelings are taken by the mental obsession and used to justify why we pick up and use. And then all of a sudden we start that cycle again where we're locked in the powerlessness of the physical allergy. So that's basically alcoholism. So, so when we, uh, when we aren't drinking, the allergy is not active. Which is why like dudes can like put down alcohol and drugs for a period of time and never pick up and all is good. And it's only until their brain lies them, tells them that it's okay, that they start that whole process again. Mm. That's why there's that story in the big book of the guy who stayed sober 25 years on his own, you know, because he started to see that alcohol was getting in the way of his work. And he was like, yo, I want to be successful. And his drive for success was bigger at the time than his drive for alcohol. And he put it down. But he picked up after 25 years in a successful business career. And it's funny because how they describe it is out came the bottle and the carpet slippers, which really lets you know that his social life and the kind of person he was during that dry time was not the most amazing social person. It doesn't say he goes on a trip with his family or he, you know, spends his money on his grandchildren. It literally talks about a dude who's picking up a bottle and isolating in his home. And he was dead within four years. And that was the story because he just started off where he left off. Yeah, I think, Makes sense? Yeah. And that like really like uh, where that hits home for me is um, like, you know, it really shows like how 
you know, everything in his life fell apart in such a, like a, like a short amount of time. You know, he had a totally beautiful life and he let it all slip away within four years. He was in the ground. Totally. Absolutely. My allergy and my disease will tell me that because I'm a heroin addict, once I have enough time away from heroin, I can pick up a drink and drink socially. Or I can smoke weed, you know, recreationally because I didn't ever have a problem with weed or alcohol. And like that's where like my lie and with my alcoholism is like really scary because like that's where I find myself after like some extended times of sobriety in the past and have you know have gone back out is always through like having wine at dinner on dates or with my family or you know smoking a joint at a concert thinking like this is totally fine and like next thing you know I'm back to shooting heroin and I don't even understand how we got to that point that fast so yeah that allergy for me it, it lies to me a lot. Totally. I mean, there gets to be a difference between like having those lies go through your head and actually believing the lies, you know, that becomes a separate thing. Cause I had that too. When I was 10 years sober, I thought to myself, well, fuck, I got sober when I was 22 and I was like DJing at all these clubs in LA and I was DJing around 22 year olds and all of them are partying every single one of them, you know? So maybe it was just a phase. And then I thought, you know, me and my mom just tried to kill ourselves together when I was 17. Maybe it was like some trauma after that. It's just a phase. Then I started thinking, well, it was really easy for me to get sober. I mean, this is my first time. I've never relapsed. You know, I haven't had that experience, but putting it down was really simple. Um, and I hear all these people in meetings like struggling with wanting to get high still. You know, maybe it was just a phase. And so like all those lies like happened in my head, but because I was doing the book work by that time, I didn't believe them. I just kind of laughed at them. I was like, wow, Michaelis, you're really fucking crazy. You know what I mean? So, so, so you said you tried to kill yourself. What, what did you guys do? I came home one night or, um, late and yeah. uh, I saw my mom like crying at the kitchen table and she was like writing letters and I knew what she was doing because I had wanted to die since I was like, I don't know, seven or eight. I did not want to be in this earth. And uh, so I sat down with her and we just started planning it out together. How we were going to do it. I think Thelma and Louise just came out a few years before. So we decided to like drive off of Decker Canyon or something together. Huh. Um, like in some epic, romantic, fucking weird Oedipus thing. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so we wrote these letters, and then eventually she was like, no, you have to live, and, and I had to basically have some compassion and, and say goodbye to her, and I went to my room, and uh, of course that compassion immediately turned to anger and victimhood, and then my dad uh, heard her start the car and tried to asphyxiate herself in the garage, and he pulled out of the car, and it was a big fight, and it was all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm, good times, huh? Yeah, it was fun. I got sent to a psychiatrist and put on ADHD medication. <laughs> Go mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some Ritalin, man. You're all fucked up. Yeah, Thanks totally. Ritalin. Fix everything. That's what my parents did when I was like eight. You know, like crazy. And then your mom just like lived. She put on it. Yeah. I was put on antidepressants and she lived, I guess. Yeah. She lived. She's alive. Was your mom or is your mom an addict or an alcoholic? Um, that was the interesting question. I used to always think that she was because, I mean, she used to drink a lot, actually, and she used to become inappropriate drinking. 
Um, but she went the Al-Anon route, sort of. Uh, and what I mean by sort of is, you know, what she kind of told me is that in Al-Anon, the steps are more of a suggestion, not something that you really have to do, which to me sounds like the craziest, most dumbest thing I've ever heard. But um, yeah, so she got involved in Al-Anon and, and that was it. I'm not really sure. Of course, it's a self-diagnosed disease, so she's got to figure that out for herself. Don't they say that in AA too, though? I hope not. They do. They say, no, it says these are suggestions. Oh, at the end and a vision for you? See, but that's where like the people in the big book really pushed out. Because if you actually read the big book, they have words like necessity, need to, have to, had to, must. Yeah. Which are not suggestions. Those are directions. And it's only like after you get through, you know, to the wives, to the family afterwards, to the employers, which, you know, most people never even read. And then you finally get to a vision for you. They say this book is meant to be suggestive only, mm -hmm. you know, which I think was kind of weak. Huh. Damn. <laughs> no, I just, he just, he, he, he reads that so much with so many different people so often that he just knows, he knows the, the book so well. Oh, so I guess one cool thing that I would like to hear, I don't know if you can talk about it. Like, I don't know, maybe like give the cliff notes just for people that don't know how a started and how cool it is um, when we're doing, when I'm doing step work with, when we're, when me and Michaelis are reading the book, it's uh, cool because it feels like I'm, we're reading like this story about um, how something really rad started from Bill and Bob. So Bill and Bob started AA. They did. <laughs> <laughs> but like how? Like how did it start? And it's 80 years ago. Did, who was like the, who would you say like started the whole ball rolling? I guess we're getting close to well, 90 years now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say who really started the ball rolling. I mean, you can say that Evie started the ball rolling when he passed the message on to Bill, but then you can talk about Roland Hazard, Seabra Graves, and Chef mm -hmm. Cornell who pulled Evie, you know, out of the courthouse and into the Oxford groups. So... I mean, it's it's a little challenging to nail all that down. And then there's this whole other group called the Washingtonians, which I know nothing about. But and someone, if you guys know about them, feel free to talk about that. But that's you know even before. So yeah, I mean, Ebby got sober through the Oxford groups, and he was told that as part of his sobriety he needed to go and help somebody else and so he thought of bill who he had drunk with before and uh so he passed the message on to bill but, but did kind of but didn't bill sort of like end up at his house on accident or like something or he invited Abby's? Abby invited bill over or? no 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 Abby just showed up at his door oh Abby showed up while, at while bill while bill was still drinking actually mm. bill was drunk and he was like stoked. He was like, yeah, I'll hang out with you. He was like, he thought he was going to drink with Ebby all day. But Ebby showed up sober, mm. you know? And so Ebby basically like 12-stepped Bill 
and told him, you know, well, it was a long conversation and Bill was like not having most of it because when Ebby started talking about religion or God or Jesus, Bill was basically like, fuck that shit. Like, I don't want to be a part of any of that, you know? Yeah. So. I, um, I, I feel like that's the, 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 sometimes we get so in recovery and like we, we forget that like most people are not down with that, the spiritual shit. So, so like we start talking super spiritual and God and stuff. And I'm like, I always want to make sure that I'm not leaning too much on that because I know how hard that is to hear for like newcomers. Well, yeah. And the founder was not big on that either. Both of them actually. I mean, Bob had already kind of given up on that stuff. So the thing about Bill was like, he was introduced to Dr. Silkworth, right? And so Dr. Silkworth ran down what alcoholism was to Bill. And that was in 1933. So he learned that before he even got sober. And what that lets us know is that self-knowledge doesn't actually mean shit, right? Because he learned that he had a physical allergy. He learned that he had a mental obsession that was going to get him to drink again. But it didn't matter. He was able to stay sober for 90 days on his own with that information. But eventually... It took him out, right? So then Ebby meets with him, and he kind of gives him the other piece of the puzzle, right? Which is this whole spiritual thing, you know, and this spiritual program, which involves, you know, taking inventory, reading it to somebody else, making restitutions, and then, of course, like, helping as many people as you possibly could. So because Bill had basically burnt all of his bridges and finance, right, and like that was pretty hard for him to do. So he knew his alcoholism was really bad because he made a lot of people a lot of money. He wasn't able to work, no one would take him back. So for his first six months of sobriety, all he did was work with other people, like as many as he possibly could. And I mean like chase that shit, like going to hospitals and trying to work with people, going to bars and trying to work with people, going to homeless dudes and trying to work with them. And nobody was getting it, not a single person got it. And he came home to his wife, he was, frustrated he's like Lois I don't understand what's going on like nobody's getting this thing she's like well you know at least you're staying sober and she said that casually but that was a light that went off in his head he's like oh shit I stay sober by helping other people and then she suggested that he go talk to Dr. Silkworth and Dr. Silkworth was like yo I hear what you've been doing and uh you know I think you're out of your mind you're going to all these alcoholics talking to them about Jesus and religion he's like did you want to hear about that and Bill's like no so he suggested to Bill, why don't you talk to them about alcoholism? Instead of, instead of fucking the spiritual shit only. Yeah, totally. Because they have to identify, right? And I think you know? this, the spiritual thing is such a hang up for people because of like their past experiences with, in childhood, especially like growing up in like, you know, either like super religious homes. Or like you know, they believe they're like too educated is, for, is, for is, spiritual like, is, awakening. Yeah, is there like a house bird? Like my house bird. What is that sound? I live in the fucking tropical island, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, a, I just want to make sure that's what that is. It's like yeah, a- I'm sure. Yeah, we have we have all kinds of like tropical birds and shit out. I live in the jungle. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, that's rad. I mean, uh, yeah, when I'm out in the, you know, places like that, there's definitely a lot of crazy sounds like that. Um, uh, 
so yeah so and then yeah so bill and started working in wards and yeah they started helping a lot of people and they printed a book and the book you know it started out small and then it started to grow and it, it talks about all this in the preface and it's pretty cool but uh I, I want, second edition the forward to the second oh right <laughs> it talks about this in the forward <laughs> to the second edition Second edition, yeah, that's the real breakdown of the history. Huh. Sure. And then what about the forward to the third edition? Forward to the third edition just talks about a little bit more growth and it talks about, you know, um, why we go to meetings basically is the main point of Be the forward to the third edition. Like, bang, every time you touch the table. Um, okay, cool. So, and then also, one thing I wanted to talk about with Billy here is the spiritual malady. Billy, what is alcoholism? Well, to me, um, in my head, can, 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 can you see Billy? I can. Okay. I mean, there's a mic. I just want to ask Michaela some questions. Is what I want to do. What is alcoholism? You just said it. It's well, a, I, I, a threefold I, disease. It's an obsession already... of the mind, allergy of the body, spiritual malady, um, mental obsession. Something like that. Thought you already asked him questions. No, no, I got questions, but they don't really pertain to like the big book so much. That's okay. Yeah, like okay. Well, here, here, here. I'll tell you what the solution for alcoholism is, in my opinion, from my experience, is it's just God dependence. But then you mentioned how God is like a. It's a tough, tough nut to swallow, as Bill would say. I mean, as whatever the fuck his name in would say. It's like, um, and I can, I know when I came in here and I was trying to think when you said you're that, right. <laughs> am I talking too loud? No, you're just right in the mic. Because this is serious shit right here. I'm asking. <laughs> like, it's, He's it's, on the edge of his seat, man. Gotta, all right. You just got to be, be consistent. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I'm going to try to be consistent here and, and calm down a little bit. So to me, the crux of this thing is. I need to know that I am dependent on a higher power. And that requires me first to build a relationship with a, wire, a, a higher power. And it also requires me to even believe in a higher power or at least be willing to try it out. Yeah. And, you know, all of us are not really coming from higher power places, I don't think. But the the weird dichotomy and... and what is the word? Uh, Iron. I'm gonna sit here. I, the irony here is that's what it comes down to, because self knowledge avails us nothing, right? And head knowledge seems to get in my way, and this is like an experiential solution. Um. So I guess what I want to know is your opinion on this higher power thing, because I believe that it's um everything, really. I mean, I cannot manage my own life in the day that I'm in. I need to know that my mind is self-centered to the extreme and that I'm always going to try to plan and, in a sense, self-deify in the day I'm in unless I turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand this God 
but it's deeper than that. It's like I am part of it, the whole God thing, and I am. What's what am I trying to say here? It's essential for recovery to be depend higher power dependent. Um, would you agree or disagree with that? I think it's yeah, and I think again, like what you're saying, uh, it is a necessity to be dependent upon a power greater than ourselves. You know, the nice thing about it is that you can pick whatever you want. It's totally open. I only suggest to the people that I work with that they actually pick something that works for them, you know, which means like they need to look at what they want their ideal life to look like and pick something that helps them get there as their power, right? And what I mean by that is like, I had years of sobriety where, you know, I felt a lot of guilt and shame and I felt a lot of judgment and I felt like I was being tested or I felt like, um, if I did this, then, you know, God would look out for me. But if I, you know, fucked up at this area, then I would be punished. Like, you know, I had all kinds of different concepts that were not working for me and I needed to pick something that was, you know, really just purely unconditional love. But the nice thing is that I get to pick whatever I want to be, which definitely alludes to the idea of what you're talking about, which is you are God, Pat is God, Tullus is God, I'm as God, because we create our own concept. So we are the actual creator of it. We are a creator, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's about taking that a step further and really looking at, okay, cool. If we are a creator, then we really are the creator of our own experience. Mm-hmm. And that every feeling and everything that we have in life is an actual choice, you know, which is, that's like, to me, sort of the, the deepest level of this whole thing is really becoming the master of our own universe, you know, mm-hmm. that's how far that this thing has, has gone and can continue to go, I think, at least for me. But in a way, becoming the master of your own universe is freeing yourself of self. Mm-hmm. It, like mm-hmm. It has to be because that power does not flow if I'm in the way. So it's very strange. It's like by letting go, I become the master of my universe or whatever you called it. Like, um, it's anti-intuitive, maybe, or this is where I always run into trouble here because I don't know that everyone has had a spiritual experience uh, of that sort where they understand what it means even that self is controlling their lives and it to be free of that like they talk about the hole in the donut right is that in the big book or the 12 and 12 i'm not sure but it's, it's not in the big book that i know um i don't know this is always my thing because i believe that we are creators and that we are capable of greater things and that limitation and belief systems are holding us back. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Like I have a chronic illness that I thought was going to, you know, lay me out for good and this and that. And we always have things, but the power is greater than those things. And I try to have this experience by sharing this experience because it just it is so awe-inspiring to me and meaningful and 
it seems as though you have to be in a flow state or free of your own i'm just babbling but no, I, I totally understand and I agree with you. I think like the absence of self is the key. And I think the challenge is that, I mean, most people are living in the human experience rather than the spiritual experience. And the human experience is really distracting. It's distracting with all kinds of wants and desires and status and, you know, pride-based stuff and... Um, and it's supported too by all the people around you, you know, mm -hmm. just like your emotions are supported by people around you and to be able to be willing to understand the lack of importance and all that stuff and really just strive oh, no, for, or to yeah. live your divine purpose, yeah, which no, is like what you're talking about to be of service, um, is challenging to be that person on this earth, especially in relationships with other people, because people have expectations that you're going to respond to certain things emotionally in a certain way. And when you don't do it, sometimes it freaks people out. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just. Like my ex. I just have to say. Not it. saying that I'm any spiritual, like, you know, uh, God, I'm losing my words. But. I know what you're saying. Like maybe like I wouldn't, if my little girl fell down and hurt her knee or something, I wouldn't flip out. It's not that I wouldn't like, didn't care, but my ex would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, are you like a psychopath or something? And it's like, no, I mean, I'm just not going to freak out. That doesn't help anything. You know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But then I learned that I did have to show just for their sake that I cared by reacting sort of more loving, which I had to learn to do because I guess maybe I am a cold person because I felt like when I grew up, there was nobody picking me up or tending to me, I guess. And I just, yeah, it's a balance. It's hard to know. It's hard to know because the ego is always there and the pride is always sort of. Yeah. I, you do. You got to question yourself all the time. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that part of you. What do you mean? Like just we're, we've been friends for a while and you know, I've leaned on you and depended on you and you've depended on me for certain things. And I've just noticed you do things like that where you kind of, you'll step away or you'll be distant. And I remember that one time you shared about how when you get like angry, you just don't talk to somebody. It's tell us, I just, I literally just bought WD 40. I saw you do that. You saw me do that. Yeah. This dude, I'm Michaelis. You don't even know what I'm dealing. I'm like, not that it matters, but I just want people to know that like, so obviously Michaelis isn't here with us. He's at Bali. He's in Bali. And I'm trying to like make this experience I want to make sure that we can hear him and, and I, I don't know if you can hear us. It's, is it hard to hear us or no, it's easy. Yeah. And then the, the chair and I just wanted to move my chair and I had to set this mic up over there. So there's been a lot of banging and I'm just like, Oh, I'm like, and like Wickham forgot to record the screen. And like, I'm thinking about Tim and how he's, you said he was dismissive during the meeting. I'm just like, and it, as we're talking about the God thing and just all this human stuff, it's like, I don't know why, but all the stuff is happening for a reason. I accept it. It's okay. I'm trying to make it 
as good as I can. The ca both cameras turned off. I had to start them again. I've never had more like technical difficulties while while in the middle of a podcast trying to keep the magic happening. Um, but uh, yeah, I just bought some WD forty. You know what's um, great though is like the magic's on, been happening. No, it has you been. You know, and there's so some, it's like that, like you know that yeah. like control thing we all freak out about. You know, trying to make something happen, and then if we just like let it happen organically. And yeah, and be. I'm sorry for any of the listen listeners if there was like some banging and you can't really hear it on your end, but like I heard it in the headphones. I turned Billy's volume like all the way up because I thought it was the <laughs> mic for Michaelis. And I just heard every little sound, and I was like, "Oh, freaking out!" And there's this like bird in the background. I'm just like, <laughs> "I like the bird." Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's fine. Uh, it was yeah, just bird's cool. Yeah, he's great. Um, and then I think once we get your audio, it'll be even better. But it's all, like you said, it's all this this human experience. And I'm just like, there's all these things I'm thinking about, or worried about, or trying to get right, or control, or and I think it's okay for us to do everything we can to control the things and to make them as good as we can make them. But it's that emotional attachment. Right, Michaelis? Well, it's the expectation, right? Which leads to that. The first, I mean, look, I just choose to not want to live a life that's filled with frustration, sadness, depression, anxiety. Like, I've done all that. I don't, yeah. I don't want to live like that anymore. And so if all I need to do is really like dedicate my life to service, and I mean my life, like every aspect of my life and every single moment, that's what does wonders for me. Because A, it keeps me occupied in every moment. It allows me to be present. You know, when they talk about like being launched in the fourth dimension of existence, they're talking about when space means time, which is the absolute now. And the way that I do that is I just think, how can I be of service right now to whatever is in front of me? Now, again, like all that was a practice and basically what I needed to do was like, I needed to be working with, you know, 14, 20 people, whatever, um, at a time doing big book work. So I was like filling my life with that kind of behavior, which sort of undid over this past, you know, decade, 11 years, like undid all that other kind of thinking, you know? Um, and it's really changed, it's changed everything for me, you know, and that to me is the conscious contact with this God that loves and wants the best for me and is taking care of me no matter what. I mean, it's always there. The whole purpose of the program is to connect me to that. So I'm conscious of that in every moment. And that's where the fear goes away, the anxiety, the worry, the depression and all that stuff. Right. So Billy, what, what, what Michaelis is like his way of connecting to that power is through the book mm -hmm. and working with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been a trip to me because I feel like you definitely connect to that power through nature and you have like a way of doing it too, right? Well, I got to say that 25 years of AA has made it possible. Yeah. And I, I'm not like, I bet uh, Michaelis is very like concise of how to go through the steps and all that, and I've never really got that quite right. Um, but I'm not done. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> well, 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 we started doing it, and I, 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 I really would like to make an I'm effort. I'm on my ninth step, and I think that's going to be very important for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but yeah, no, I'm I am curious. 
I mean, the truth is, I'm curious to a degree to see how you go through it, but at the same time, it's been so difficult for me to do the steps. Yeah. And I'm stalled at the ninth, which I think is, there's just always more important things, which there really is nothing more important. Well, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So, can I ask how long it's taking you to get through these nine steps like this time around? Probably like nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did them, I did them before, but this time I was doing it through my, through the primetime guys. Uh, my sponsor disappeared at like the eighth or seventh step. Then I got a new sponsor. And blah, 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 blah. Basically, I'm just a slow mate. I don't know that I'm lazy, but I don't know. It's like meditation. Who who sits down and, and meditates? Do you guys actually sit down uh, and meditate? I was just talking to, to Prosser about that, about like how terrible I am about meditating. And I was talking to you about how I try to wake up in the morning and, and like go through the first three steps. You know, like that's how I try to start my day. And like, I know how much better my days are when I do that. Yet mm. I still wake up and just get straight into self doing mm -hmm. what I want to do. Like letting, you know, back into controlling everything. And like, I know how much that fucks me up. And yet like, I don't take the time out. That's crazy. I what? find excuses not to pray or like, you know, that I don't have time to pray to my higher power. I don't have, I don't have 15 minutes to start my day to my higher power. Like yeah. the most important thing in my life. And I don't have like an hour of my day for that. It doesn't like make a lot of sense. That's insanity to me. You know? or, or even 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. a five-minute meditation sets me right. Right. Mm -hmm. Sam guided one last night wow, here. Oh, yeah, that was in the house. It was pretty cool. Do you know Sam? Um, not really. I mean, I've seen him, I think, on the podcast before, but I don't know him personally. Yeah, he's the, that English, English yeah, he's dude. English. And he did a guided meditation for the house we're gonna try to see if he can do that once a week it was really I pray cool. and meditate what i think it's awesome i said i pray and meditate you do you, you do you actually like sit down legs folded breathe kind of meditation or is it more of a walking talking or both or my my prayer is more of a walking talking doing praying all day kind of prayer thing like and then my meditation is i mean i don't know if my legs are folded every time but it's a sitting for sure and, and are sometimes you, it's go ahead. I was just saying, are you focusing like, are you doing like breathing exercises and stuff? Uh, I do differently. Like it depends. I've been doing like a Balinese style where like there's some series of prayers in the very beginning and then a lot of it's just mantra. So I guess it would be Vedic or transcendental meditation. Hmm. So. so let me just ask you real quick. Um, so I'm not, I was talking to my therapist about this whole Tim thing. I just want to kind of get some feedback from you guys. Like I, I'm pretty sure that I need to not have like an emotional response to whether or not he does or doesn't do this. This is true. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a challenge for me, you know? Can I if you like, say so. Yeah, can I ask like where, like that emotion, like where that emotion like is like residing? Like why, why? What is like, what's hurting you about that or like upsetting you? Well, just seeing him here tonight, like kind of restless and like, yeah. just like almost like combative in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, I might take is he doesn't want to. You guys have no, forced right. him. You gave him an ultimatum, do this or go. So he's got to. Yeah. So why would he want to, you know? It's just like, I see this like ego and it, 
it's I mean it and this like it's she's she's so tricky. He's so tricky with it. You yeah, know? but you also see a guy that like is not drinking and using right now, but also has no program whatsoever in his first like what day and a half? Michaela, so, you've you've known Pat for a long time and you know about Tim. What do you think you think that Tim's actually gonna go for this? I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. I've learned not to make any presumptions about people and their willingness or yeah, what they... I, I don't really know either, but I would I, I just don't really think like I already know where you're going with this, Billy. Like you just have a very pessimistic I do, but especially somebody who doesn't want to. I mean, don't you need to want to get silver? I didn't. I want mean, to. I hope. I hope he does, or maybe he doesn't have to get silver. Who, maybe he just has to. Who told you he doesn't want to? I just can't believe that he does. Right. Did he say he wants to? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean he's sober. Like, like, he thinks wait, it's wait, gonna wait. be like amazing. So he says that, like, yeah, it's a problem. I do need. I do want to try something different. Yeah. Well, shit, maybe I wasn't there for all that. I just know Tim, who likes to party and doesn't seem to think he really has a problem. Yeah. So no, he, he really wants to get sober. He's not super stoked about the 12 step thing, but like he said, he's going to do it. And, um, did he give you reasons for why he wanted to get sober? Or was it like, because he just wants you guys he back feels, in his life? He feels better sober and he can, and he thinks it'll, it'll be good for him and it'll be healthy. And I don't know. I never believe anyone's going to get sober, so that's the deal. Because it was so hard for me, I can't even believe it happened. I can't even believe it's still happening. So I just don't have a lot of faith that people are going to do it. At least not on the first try or the first 500 tries, but eventually maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. So yeah, I guess we'll just have to go. I'll just have to start doing day by day and see what happens. I don't know. I, I don't really know what to do. You know. Well, you don't have to do anything. Like everything was done. You know. Yeah. All you got to do now is love and support him on this journey, while he's still on it. And maybe Michaela, because like Pat, I don't think was on when you were going over. Like, as I was saying, like, what typically happens when someone is like kind of like only going through the book because people have put like these uh requirements for them to like be like part of their lives you know they've been given ultimatums and the ultimatums are like you are not a part of our lives unless you begin going to aa and like you know working a program and so they do it like you know almost as like a penance they're paying a penance like to like be doing aa so they because they can still have the things in their life and you had like a really good kind of like spiel about how the book you know kind of works its magic you know pat wasn't here for that yeah i mean i was just basically saying like i mean if he starts working with other people in the book on the day on the daily right one or two people a day i mean it's going to change him whether he likes it or believes it or not you know so it doesn't matter if he puts that action in and plus, when people are like catching up to him and he's like accountable to people and then, oh, shit, now he has to write an inventory because people are creeping up and he's got to finish it because he's got people behind him. And then, oh, shit, I have to do an amends because like people are already on this page. You know what I mean? So 
it kind of will just push them through that whole process and that process will work because it does mm. that's just how it is I the like problem that. is is that most people don't do it you know mm. so we're gonna make them fucking do it well maybe yeah, he's gotta pick it up in the beginning so yeah we can't make him do it that's no. a very positive way of looking at it. Like, if you do it, whether you want to do it or not, the magic can happen. Yeah, and I think that with anybody with a brain, like, I know that he heard stuff tonight that touched him. I know he did. I saw it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, how could you not? You know, I couldn't see Sam his face. Said, what? What Sam said about, mm, like, you yeah. know, like, you build this beautiful Lego for your daughter and then your daughter just comes <laughs> in and destroys it. And it's just like the people in our lives that like, that's the only way they know how to be a part of our lives is just to wreck shit. Yeah. Sam said something like about mind blown. I was just like, Oh, fuck. that was a good one. Yeah. That was really awesome. I Can I say something quickly? Yeah. Sorry. Like there's logic behind like my optimistic attitude. It's not just like hippie optimism. Like the reason why it will work is that if he's around another alcoholic or more than one on the daily taking them through the book then he's not going to be getting high because he's not putting himself in a position where he's putting drugs or alcohol in his body he's actually staying physically sober because he's around other 12-step people in recovery the thing about his mind that's going to really like relieve him of this insanity is that whole idea of like auto suggestion and repetition of a message that he's going to be reading multiple times a day every day to another person teaching it to them basically brainwashing himself through that process with a message of recovery that's going to dispel the lie and being of service to other people and practicing that whether he believes it or loves it or whatever or not doesn't really matter when he's doing the actions of trying to serve people that means it's going to be taking him out of that idea of self and all of our defects of character are basically rooted in self anyway. So it's going to counter that as well. Is it going to happen in a month? Definitely not. But, of course, the more you practice something, the more consistent you are with anything. That's where the shift happens. And that's where we actually have that spiritual experience or God-powered personality change, right? So do we, do we check in with him? Do I ask him? Do, do we push him to call you? Do we, what, when do we... I don't Check think in. that you need to do that. I mean, I think that like what's happened is, you know, everything was really clearly laid out. He's getting his book from Amazon. When he gets it, hopefully he'll call me. And it's up to him to basically do it. I mean, you guys are not his babysitters or his caretakers or any of that stuff like that. I think calling him and checking on him, not checking up on him, and just seeing how he's doing and loving him and being supportive through this process is important because you're his friends and you care about him. Because he has a, he has someone in the house who, this kid, this new kid in the house, this kid Carter, is like someone he could potentially be taking through the book. Cool. And, and, and awesome. he has like a, a vested, like he, he cares about this kid and like he wants to help this kid and he's like a I think it's his god brother his family brought him here and Tim's like super thankful he's like you're saving this kid's life and like thank you so much and you're this is like the best thing ever and I'm like now I'm starting to think wow well you actually could be a part of this kid's recovery too 
That's awesome. And it's like, there's, I can't imagine him weaseling his way out of that. That's like, he has a direct, he has a way for him. He has a way that he could directly help this kid and help himself and appease us. And it's like, God is really working in his life. And like you said, whether he wants to see it or not, like he might think, oh, wait, I can't, I can't be the one taking him through this. And it's like, well, no, you're not the one making the decisions. You actually can and you need to. Right. And look, I mean, a lot of people just need to understand that you can't fuck up the big book message because it's not your message. So, of course, you can take someone through it. You know, a lot of people get caught up in this other stuff because of their war perception of what a sponsor is you know, being your life coach or your guide or your spiritual advisor or whatever. And like, we're not trying to do that. We're just trying to go through the work and work the program and, and it's already laid out for us. That's it. So uh, w w w w w would it be a requirement for him to take someone else through the book as a part of this process? Like how, like right away or? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't it be? It's the same thing for you. It would be the same thing for anybody. Yeah. Why would you not work the program if you have an opportunity to? You going through the book with me is not working the program. That's just getting self-knowledge, right? Yeah. How well did that work for Bill and everybody else? Right. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I really do think this could be really profound for him, and it's hard for me to not want to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power for it to happen. I understand that. I mean, that's literally what we did by calling this intervention. Totally. Absolutely. So Chris is going to check in with him at some point here. And I mean, did, did you hear all that about Carter? Carter's who? Just um, his god brother, family friend that's in the house now. Tim called his godparents, and and his his god's brother is now here at the house. Oh, he shared tonight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tim was Tim's all concerned about him. Oh, god brother. So he's kind of family, but not. But no, but like he's like really close. And this kid, uh, this guy, literally said today, like he's willing to stay here until we say it's time for him to leave. So like the amount of willingness, like he is showing and like the amount like of like, you know, and like he wants this a and, lot. And Michaelis is going to start going through the book with Tim and saying, Tim, you need to give this to someone right away. Mm, and he's the perfect guy. Right? Carter. They can work together. Perfect. It's going to be, yeah. It's Cause really, they're not like friends. I mean, is that a God thing or but, what? But uh, yeah. You know, I mean, cause they're not like friends anymore. But like Carter does look up to Tim because they grew up together and like he cares about this kid and he wants to help this kid. And that's like, this is a perfect example. First perfect. thing he did when he walked in and asked how he was, want to go talk to him. So yeah. Did, yeah. Know? So now it's like, all right, fool. Like you thought it was just, see, that's the other thing is like, I don't think that like, he's very clear. Like it might sound like we were clear, uh, Michaelis, but like, he's still not even sure what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's like, am I supposed to be going to meetings or like? Are you talking about Tim or Carter? Tim. Okay. Yeah, like, meetings are weird now. But does, does, yeah. the, like, does he have to go to meetings? I think so. 
Why not? Where is he going to find people to work with? <clears throat> How many meetings does he have to go to every week? Well, if he has to work with somebody every day, he probably has to go to one every day to try to find somebody in the beginning until he gets a stable of people that he's working with. Yeah, well, that's not happening. <laughs> right now. So suggested to him. I don't even have his number, and he hasn't called me yet, so it's hard for me to make suggestions to him right now. But, you know, when we do wind up talking and when we do start going through the book, I mean, all that stuff is just going to come out through Maybe the process because... It's how the program works, right? Maybe he can come do Zoom meetings with these guys at night or something. At least he'll be around other sober, getting sober people, and they'll be doing a meeting and stuff. Because there's not really in-person meetings yet, is there? Yeah, there is. And there's also Zoom meetings he can do. I mean, I think he should definitely be going to the speaker meeting on Wednesdays for the Pacific Group. You can zoom into that. That meeting always hits hard. They right. get great speakers every week, dude. Like dropping the knowledge on everyone. Wow. Well, I'll loop him in with you. And I, mean, I think we should have these guys zooming into that meeting. Let's do it. Yeah. If I'm going to let's implement that. Yeah, let's okay. do it. If you really want it, I went to meetings every day. Sam yeah, went to meetings every day. I mean, if you're willing, if you're really that desperate. I, I just, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like I need to just like fucking I'm in such a fucking hard spot right now oh. well I think you should take a few steps back because you did like like Michaela said you've already done what you can do mm -hmm. now yeah. you can only make suggestions you brought the horse to the water bro uh, he's got to be willing to drink yeah. the water himself. now you got to shove his head in and drown him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just kidding how Four many feet of water so what'd you do today me, I did some big book work, and I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to the gym after this, and then, yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Is Bali Simple shut thing. down, or are you able to do things? Uh, we're able to do stuff. It's sort of shut down, but stuff is still happening. It's a weird, I don't know. A lot of stuff is kind of just for show here in terms of, like, shut down. Hmm. But things are open. When you walk into places, you take the mask off. Like, there's indoor everything. It's, I don't know, it's very strange. Do you do anything else besides AA for spiritual practice? Really? Too close? Just, it's just a fist. That's what it's always been. That's what it's always going to be. Michaelis, do you do any yes. other? Yes. I definitely have. And... I mean, I guess every moment in my, in my life is a spiritual practice. So it's just like AA in the 12 steps is literally training wheels, right? It's like the kindergarten to sort of launch me into practicing that idea of being the light of God in, in every moment, you know? So, I mean, that's... That concept is not AA. That concept is the foundation of pretty much every spiritual practice and, and even monotheistic religions is basically love others, you know, be kind to others. So this is something I really wanted to get into. I wanted to talk about whether or not alcoholism is f a fault-finding selfish self-centered disease 
Like, is that alcoholism? That we... Like, can you, like, expand on that a little bit? Like, in, in, in prime time, they talk about how alcoholism is a disease that centers in my mind. And it causes it causes me to have a selfish, fault-finding, narcissistic, oh. um, impatient state of mind. I mean, golly, that's, that's self-obsessed. Self-obsessed. It's like me right on the head. That's like like what I deal. It's like those like some like it's like what I deal with. I feel like all, yeah. all, all and, day, and it day. even says in the book, we're driven book? by a thousand forms of fear, and selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of all our troubles. Totally. But that's all of our troubles. I don't think that that's alcoholic at all. And then you're basically saying that every politician is an alcoholic. So, so every, you, every world leader is an alcoholic. Yeah. So I know what Michaelis thinks and I want to talk about that with him because I think he's, I think I know what you're getting at. Michaelis has actually changed my mind on how I see this disease, but I want to hear what you guys think, Billy. You're going to go first. Um, alcoholism is a mind power disease. Yes. Self-obsessed. Uh, fault finding. Yes. But I'm not saying that it's not the human problem because we're humans, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, I think, turned up in the alcoholic to the point where we have to drink or do drugs to quiet it. Um, it drives us mad. So that right there is the conversation I want to have. Okay. So you believe that alcoholism turns up those defects. I think alcoholics have the volume turned up. What about you? Yeah. I mean, like it says, you know, people always say like, I, I felt like I, I had alcoholic tendencies when I was like eight years old. I never felt right. I never felt comfortable. I never felt like in place. I like, you know, and like I was always searching for some way to like escape, whether it was through video games, whether it was through sports, I could never like sit still and be like content. At so, all. so I used to agree with that. And, um, uh, I, I, not, not to be blunt, but the reason I'm bringing this up, Michaelis is because I think it's a really big misconception and I want to try to clear it up. That's not true. Blasphemy. Me, me or him. Heretic. The fact <laughs> that alcoholics experience these defects at a higher level than normal people is a false statement. Correct? Yeah, man. We're trying to own everything because we're so fucking special. It's really crazy. It's a major. <laughs> and I've contributed to this misunderstanding of this disease because all those same characters. Like, why did I oh, seek? Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. All those same character traits exist in all people. Some more than others, some less than others. Alcoholism is a physical allergy and a mental obsession when it comes to alcohol. That's it. No more, no less. But we want to make it this other thing. And we want to be so special. And we want to say, oh, we're like, we got the volume turned up. And that's why we drank. But not everyone. Not Tim. Tim does not have those character traits. He actually doesn't resent you. You thought he was lying or whatever, but he actually does have an optimistic viewpoint on the world. He really does. Is he still an alcoholic? Yeah. 
Are there other people like Tim? Yeah. Well, and then there's also lots of normal people who struggle with all those things too, who are not alcoholic, who struggle with self-centered thinking, who struggle with self-centered fear, who struggle with all kinds of things, you know, and this is what they're labeling as mental illness these days, you know, which a lot of people are just going to see psychologists and psychiatrists and getting handed okay, out pills well, for. When it says in the book that we are in fact mentally ill, now I don't know if it's 12 and 12 or the big books because I don't know, but... No, it says that we're ill in the in the big book. We just went over it. So we're mentally ill, then the illness is the obsession of the mind to drink or use. Yep. Right, 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 yeah. Michaelis? But it's to understand what that means. Yeah, but like the obsession is the ability to believe a lie. It's just basically that our brain tells us that we're not, that we don't have the physical allergy. But and that doesn't have the, anything to do with and that, other stuff. And that is what it's limited to. That's what the, when they say we have a mental illness, they're only referring to yeah, how we see the physical allergy. Maybe you're simplifying it because there's no separation between obsession, ego, and all these other things in neurosis. They're all one and the same, or they're all combined and attached. So... I think prime time is maybe just expanding on the simplification of the obsession because the obsession is in the mind and the mind is not just obsession obsession for instance if you stop drinking you could become a sex addict you know what i'm saying or if you stop that you could be a food addict or um whatever you know what i'm saying not really. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I understand like the words that are coming out of your mouth and I have experience with, you know, having lust issues and gluttony issues in sobriety. But I don't, I guess I don't really understand beyond that. Okay, let me try to get this. So alcoholism is solely... The obsession of the mind, which is the ability to believe the lie that we can drink like normal men, or at least drink and have a good life. And we'll do that again and again and again until we die a miserable death. Sure, that's so enough. I mean, does it have to be more? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really have to be more than that, I guess. But No, but it is it's just a misconception that it is more. So... I just want to clear that up. That's very, very important. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like ponder that one for yeah. a little well, no, while. No, but this is what we're talking so about. It's <laughs> turning so hard right now. No, this 900 is, questions. Well, no, it's really simple actually, and this is like a big. I, I, I understand. It. So I'm saying, like, like when it comes to like my, like what I've experienced personally, you know. Well, you, whatever. you, well, see, here's the thing: is because you have a physical allergy to alcohol. And this mental obsession that tells your body you don't have that physical allergy, you've drank and used, therefore stunting your growth emotionally mm -hmm. and probably making you more selfish, self-centered, mm -hmm. and narcissistic and impatient because you're like a child. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense, Michaelis? Well, yeah. I mean, the sense that like how many times and how many years you said fuck it with drugs and alcohol. So, and I'm talking so, about like fuck it in terms of growth, right? So the when alcohol, you practice, when you practice that for so many years, it just becomes your character. So, so, so the alcohol know? and drugs 
have like accelerated or stunted those emotions in you. But that those emotions in you are not alcoholism. Alcoholism has just it's, oh, it's amplified yeah. those emotions. Alcoholism has amplified has has uh, has made the spiritual malady that exists in all people like more gnarly in you because of your lack of growth and, and your lack of discipline. Right. So if you wow. continue to turn to really fixing your problems, like, like your emotional problems like... with drugs and alcohol, then you never actually fix them. So they just compile and compile and compile. But, the, but it's important to, it's, this is very, very important. And I just want this, if, if Kaya or Wickham is, is editing this right now, I want you guys to have this be the clip that we're going to use. And I want this to be something that we post. It's important to understand that, because I've been saying for so long that alcoholism is this. It's selfishness, self-centeredness, mm -hmm. uh, it's impatience. And Randy talks about it too. I can't wait to have Randy on and talk about this with him because, but it's actually not. It's really simple. It's just a physical allergy and a mental obsession. But when we use and drink because of those things for so long, we become like children emotionally, which children are impatient and selfish and self-centered and like, eh, like little babies. So it's like, yeah, now those character traits exist in all of us, but those character traits are not alcoholism. They have nothing to do with alcoholism. Actually, they're, a, they're like, those are traits of like a spiritual malady that, and that spiritual malady exists in everyone. The big book went for, went, went, went. The thing that's so cool about the big book is it talks about alcoholism uh, mental obsession and physical allergy, but then it goes further and it goes, you know what? We're going to teach you how to live a life. We're going to address this spiritual malady so that you don't have to drink anymore. But the spiritual malady that, that alcohol, that the book of Alcoholics Anonymous is addressing has nothing to do with alcoholism as a disease of the mind and body. Does that make sense? That's why you always say AA would work for, for normies too. Like in that sense, because yeah, it would help that, that spiritual it's treating malady. the spiritual, spiritual malady. Right. I don't know if you're not paying attention or if you don't care. Or which one is it? Are you not following me? I'm following you. I'm just starting to see if you're full of it or not. I'm trying well, to figure I'm not, it out. I'm not like, I'm, because, I'm, I'm, okay. only, I'm only regurgitating this Yeah, very, no, I very... understand. But so you're saying all these 12 steps are not to treat alcoholism. They're to treat the effect of the spiritual malady. Because why would we be treating character defects and ego and all these other things if they weren't part of the disease? Well, we're not treating defects of character. The 12 steps are to develop a relationship with God, and God treats those defects of character. Right. So basically the 12 steps are to, to remedy the spiritual malady. Really? Totally. It's perfect and enlarge your spiritual life. You can just move the mic a little bit. And also... And, and, and by the way, those 12 steps would work on all human beings with alcoholism or not. No, not necessarily because alcoholics are desperate. Not all human well, beings Well, no, I are. mean, I understand what you're saying, Billy. But like if people wanted to do the process, right, it would work. But yeah, of course, the lack of willingness is really what keeps people from actually doing it. And that's why Russell Brand wrote a book about 
the top of 12 steps could work, help all humans. That's why I have a brand called Learning to Lose. It's accessible to all humans. And that's why Michaelis is going to write a book about how to treat the spiritual malady in all humans. Because we've found a message that's applicable to mankind that through alcoholism, but it's still applicable to mankind. And if people want it, they can have it. Like Ryan or Sarah, um, Sarah or, 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 or yeah, Sandra. The like thing there about are people, Ryan and Sarah and Sandra is they're not doing a rigorous program. No, but they're, they're just coming to a meeting and they like what they hear and they get to share and they're part of the community, but they're not working the kind of program me and you have to to stay sober. No, but they're benefiting from it. Yeah. Well, I'm not disagreeing. I, I agree and I but, think it's great, but for them to get what we're getting or maybe they don't need what we're getting, but there's a lot to be talked about here. That's all. Well, that's what we're talking about. Okay. And this is the fucking, this is the high level conversation about alcoholism that I wanted to have because, because to, to, to make the, it's so like, it's so typical of alcoholics, especially alcoholics like Bob Anderson and like prime timers to draw this conclusion and to leap to this, to this really gnarly conclusion that, yeah, alcoholics have all these traits more so than normal people. Well, if you read the Tebow papers, it'll tell you that. Wow. What's up with those Tebow papers, Michaelis? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not Alcoholics Anonymous. And I get it. Like, I mean, everyone has their own interpretation of of things and it's kind of why I just don't mess with any other message these days is because it's it's just been sort of diluted and and uh and because of that like the spiritual experience that was felt by the first 100 you know and the success rate that they had is not existent in our world today you know I they hear were you and I like it and like I want to know more yeah, I mean, look, me and Michaelis had like a two hour conversation about this mm -hmm. at like one in the morning. And I was like arguing the point <laughs> that, that, that we because we've been on this tip for a for year for a year doing this podcast. We've been talking about what it actually says in the 12 and 12. It says in the 12 and 12 that these character, these God given instincts have been amplified in alcoholics. Bill Wilson wrote that book, and it says it in the book. But Michaelis is well, saying, "But you're basically saying the same thing backwards." No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. Let me clarify. That's wrong. One dude in his disease wrote that book, okay. and that book is wrong. But what you're saying is the effect of being an alcoholic makes that happen. So you're saying most, the same most, thing. Most you're times. saying the same thing, but but it's in a, a different very, way. No, but it but it is important to to um, to d differentiate. It's important yeah, to it clarify. Is. It's important to, to know. Yeah, it's important to clarify. But I but yeah, I, you know what? Billy just kind of put it in a perspective. I think ninety percent of alcoholics have stunted these defects and have accelerated these defects from using drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's so, hard to like talk about a statistic when we don't actually have a control. Yeah, but we all have worked with 
and known a lot of alcoholics. And Essentially, not, it doesn't on, let, matter because everyone let me, needs Can this. I finish? Okay. We all have worked with a lot of alcoholics and known a lot of alcoholics. And I think that we could all probably agree that 90% of them have all these character traits to a greater degree than normal people. How many normal people have you worked with? I don't know any normal people. That's the problem. <laughs> Um, how many, <laughs> Michaelis is so, <laughs> he just turns over and goes really calmly, how many normal people have you worked with? Because like, I, mean, I haven't worked with any. The only normal so person just, I know is the one in my, my head that doesn't probably exist. No, no, but, 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 so, but what were you going to say? It, it's, it, it works for everyone is what you were just about to say. I would say it could work except for the magic ingredients of desperation. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of people that are depressed and have other disease, have other, uh, have there. I think there's a lot of people that have a spiritual malady, like even Wickham, bro. Like Wickham's Wickham is Wickham because of AA. And I don't think he's an alcoholic. Well, Astrid once told me this, and I thought she was a little bit crazy, but she said the AA is a spiritual revolution. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's going, we're in 75 years in. Just wait. It's going to change the world. I totally I'm like, agree. Whoa. I just go to AA meetings, girl. You're on some other tip. I totally agree. But maybe it almost seems like it's happening. It's right? happening. I agree. I don't know. Well, I mean, Aaron Sorkin did the. Uh, I mean, Mark it kind of takes a dogmatic religious I mean, stuff look, out of it right bro she's not the only one who said that there's been like a lot of spiritual leaders who are to talk about it and aaron sorkin the dude who wrote a few good men and um social network and he's one of the greatest screen playwriters and of all time he wrote the steve jobs movie he he said that he quoted a spiritual leader on the mark Marin podcast and he said aa is like the new world religion. It's like the greatest thing that's happened to spirituality since the Bible or so he said something, yeah, something like along that. the lines of like how this will change the world. And it is. And that's why I think starting, it's real. starting with the most fucked up people in the world. Like that's where the shit start. It, it's like growing from this fucking ooze in this gutter. Right. Well, same with Jesus and all yep. these things. Yep. Right. Yeah. But um, so here's the one thing I do think it's important is you guys are because I do believe the AA has gotten washed out and the message has gotten washed out, whether the intentions were good or bad or worked or didn't. And it's good to keep it pure, I think. Yeah. So I think what you're saying and doing is important to consider and figure out. Yeah. And the book was written by 100 men and women, but the 12 and 12 was written by one man. Just Bill, huh? Who died like begging for a drink a, a lying womanizer who died begging for a drink mm -hmm. that's who wrote that book 10 to 20 years after aa started i'm probably saying that wrong but probably when they were begging they were like yo we need more you mean in, in his last days he was miserable according yeah he's begging for a drink they wouldn't give it to him because he was one of the founders and he was like just sad you know he I think, the, yeah, if you're dying, you might as well have your drink if you want it that bad. Yeah, but he was the popular, he was the face of AA, and they couldn't have him go out um, drunk. It would have been, it would have been a bad look for the program, apparently. But, Which but, but, is but, so, like, stupid. Well, that's like the yeah. whole learning, that's like learning to lose right there in a nutshell. Like, I would have gave him that fucking drink, and I would have yeah. been like, yo, this made your life great. And the fact that you're like drinking at the end of it is just, we need to get clarity on why. And it's probably because he wasn't really working a program. 
right, Michaelis? The program, yeah. Yeah. Well, but Doctor Bob dying, was. If I was dying, I don't think I'd want to use because I want to meet my creator peer. Mm. Wow. At this yeah. point. Yeah, I, I just I just think that like it's just um, wow. it's just interesting because everybody uses the twelve and twelve. It's the twelve and twelve has become like the guidebook. It's like the fucking cliff notes of AA, and it's like this dude wrote it because all these like needy unsatisfied alcoholics were like we want more mm -hmm. it's like why just work do what works so you're saying throughout the 12 and 12 what throw it away well i don't know i what let's see <laughs> what are you say you saying throw out the 12 and 12 i mean i don't think we have to be nazis about it but like um you know i, I think it's good as supplementary literature it's fine but um, I think the, I don't think the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the big book. And I think that people, no, you, you think you don't yeah, think, said it wrong. You, you don't think the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the 12 and 12. No, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the big book. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where it is. The that's 12, where it started. 12 seems easier to people because it kind of plays into that human idea of what the steps are like, which is, okay, cool. I've done step one. Check. I've done step two, check, right, all the way through 12, and then you've graduated and cool, you know? But, um, and that's how people, it's like that whole control of like, this is where I need to be at, and, and that's where people start asking like, what step I'm on, and this is, you know, like seeing that progress, that weird competitive edge that you hear in like meetings, but it's not about any of that, you know? And the process is not that linear. You know, a lot of people say like, well, you can't be working with other people if you're on this step or if you can't start meditating until you're at step 11, you know, but if you actually read the big book, I mean, they make all these suggestions all throughout it. You know, it's not that cut and dry and people want this rigidity and uh, this idea of moving forward at a certain pace because they lack the open-mindedness to just be in the present and doing what's in front of them, which is you know, a lot of the lesson of doing this process. I, I, I would really like to keep reading this book with you, Billy. I, 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 I enjoyed it a lot and I would almost consider it a favor from you because when I read this with you, I get more out of it. Like the magic doesn't happen until I'm showing someone what he showed me and I'm trying to do it with Prosser and I'm trying to do it with Mikey and I'm trying to do it with Woody but I'm not getting as much. And I know you're probably going to think this is stupid, Michaelis, because you think that when I do it with anybody, it's amazing and profound and it's own, its own unique experience. But I do, I just want to say that when I do it with Billy, I just get, I feel like we're really getting a lot out of it. Like even just a little bit that we've done. And it's really cool because. It could just be that you and I jive because when we do the 12 and 12 or anything, it's always, we do a little bit and talk a lot and it's, good we're just like really going for it because we're really sick Maybe. in like different <laughs> ways though like we're both like really really <laughs> sick but like like almost opposites so like yeah. we help each other see things that no, neither of us would it seems like y'all haven't agreed on anything this whole night and it's like it's great <laughs> you know it's like it's added like this good like you know conversation that like like i think it's been amazing just yeah. to sit here between you two well, well here's the thing is that 
Michaelis, me and Michaelis have had, had this deep conversation. This is one of the main reasons I wanted to have him on the podcast because I wanted to talk about this. Whether or not alcoholism is this, these character defects and this spiritual malady. And it is not. It is not those. It's not that. It's a fucking simple physical allergy and a mental obsession. That's what it is. That's why it's called alcoholism. And we're over here in prime time talking about giving it a new name. I'm like, it should be called something different because it doesn't have anything to do with alcohol. Okay, can I ask a question? Do you know how many times I've said that? I just think like it's important um, for people to understand the simplicity of what alcoholism and drug addiction is so they can actually really identify, right? That's the purpose of the simplicity of it. Because when you start adding in all these things, like it does become questionable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've That's literally all. shared, I've spoken in a, at a bunch of meetings and I've told people, I think that the name alcoholism isn't the right name because, because I, because the way I used to talk about the disease is I would say alcoholism has nothing to do with what we use or drink. It has to do with how we think we're selfish, self-centered, self, uh, self, um, impatient, narcissistic, and um, fault finding. That's what alcoholism is. It's this way of thinking. I've literally said that. I can't tell you how many times. And it's like I'm, com- I'm conflating this, this simple definition. Those are, those are character traits that occur once you stunt your growth emotionally and you use and drink over a course of however many years. But they're also traits that exist in every human being. And who the fuck am I to say that we're so special that we have them uh, turned up in us? Hmm. Like, what the fuck, dude? You see how it's almost like we've okay, warped it because question. we're so selfish and self-centered and so narcissistic. So what you're saying that if I've lost my obsession to drink and use, does that mean that I'm cured or that I'm recovered? Well, you're, you're, the mental obsession would have you believe that. Well, I don't have a mental obsession to use or drink. I obsess on other things, but all humans do is what you're saying. So, am I recovered at this point? I'm not. Wait, hold on. Well, you actually, don't have a mental. Well, actually, what does. is a, what is a mental obsession? First of all, to you, <laughs> it's to believe a lie and to believe the lie that I could drink and use safely, or um, yeah, basically. Okay, cool. So you've treated that, right? Yes for now okay sweet yeah totally so if you go a period of time without treating that again it will creep up on you at some point but But you around drinking and using now humans themselves also have mental obsession not necessarily pertaining to drugs and alcohol and whether they had the mental obsession around drugs and alcohol if they don't have the physical allergy that doesn't make them an alcoholic Mm. right so the physical allergy is really the first defining factor that makes an alcoholic or an addict what they are. Can an addict right? have a physical allergy too? An addict? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because I think I was we're a talking, marijuana addict. We're talking years. about a drug addict, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Definitely have a physical yeah, yes, allergy. We're talking about a drug addict. Yes. Yeah. We're talking There's no about difference between addict. an alcoholic and a drug addict, according to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. In fact, when they talk about the description of a true alcoholic, what they're talking about is a guy who drinks but also takes sedatives. 
So drug addiction and alcoholism were under the same umbrella back in the day. And it only separated because of that same bullshit that kept a drink out of Bill's hands when he was on his deathbed, which is people trying to fucking look good, you know? But all that stuff was not the way it was originally written in the big book. It was all the same. But 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 I will answer to answer Billy's question. Yes, you have recovered. And the big book was written by a hundred men who have recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind. And we can recover, and we are recovered. It does say that it does. We are. Yeah. We, we have recovered. But if it, we don't, it also continue. says that sanity will return too. Right. It also says that we'll be able to depend on our thinking. Yeah. Which is God. a lost message as well. I really want to you know? have Cowboy Brian on because Cow. I've been listening to Cowboy Brian's podcast. You know that guy Billy that we had on. Do you remember him? He like really goes for this too, and he is like on the same tip. Like this whole idea of us being insane and like mental defects. It's like very. I have my book here. Uh, what was that noise? Oh, that's a gecko in the background. Oh, what? Are you serious? So what happens is, is like when the myth around geckos is that when you hear them make that sound, that means that what they just heard was the absolute truth. Wow. Which is that all that we have recovered and we have. Well, it says we on page eighty-seven. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more in the plane of inspiration. We come to rely on it, right? And that's something that, that Cowboy Brian was talking about on his podcast. Uh, it's like the sarcastic big book guy. He talks about like how we, we, we can trust our mind and we should trust our mind um, once we've recovered. you know. And I've been saying for so long that I can't. I, my mind is broken. My mind is broken. It's fucking not, dude. Does I, just it need also, to, I just need to continue to treat it. Does it also say that we have a daily reprieve contingent on our spiritual maintenance in the big book? Or is that the 12 and 12? No, it does. That's the big book. Now, the spiritual maintenance, of course, is being the blessing and helping others, passing this big book on to as many people as we possibly can in every moment, which is going to be treating our mind, our body, and our spirit simultaneously. I'm really glad we were having this conversation. That's what I wanted Thank to you. do. Because uh, it does kind of simplify me. Because it's all just like a whirlwind in your head, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like I feel a lot of like hope yeah. from hearing this. Yeah. you know, and, I feel like very hopeful. You know, like that's yeah. what I'm feeling right now. Plus the gecko the back is helpful. Up. You know, that's <laughs> that the thing. Just, that's it's like the... sometimes the message and the meetings is just not fucking hopeful. Like I don't want to hear about a dude with 40 years who's still. Is talking about how insane right. he is. Like, why the fuck am I even in AA? No, that like, sucks. Yeah, and and yeah. I and I gotta say that, like, even though prime time kind of saved me there it, towards the end, I think what it also did was make me like even more hopeless and depressed to a certain degree. I think it made me more dependent on a higher power, but I just had a misunderstanding of, and I don't think I ever really believed that my brain was broken. Or that I was these things. I think well, I just started it, saying them because they sounded good. It doesn't you know? say your brain is broken. It says you have a mind-powered disease. But with the power, you can use your mind. Yeah, but but yeah, the, your brain well, is yeah. But but anyway. the way they define the disease in prime time is like selfishness, self-centeredness. And they do finding. a whole qualifying of alcoholism in action. 
which can be some people just do that and they never really get into recovery. But it's useful. It's had its place. Like you said, you found your place there. So have I, and I'm not going to forget what I've learned there, but I'm always searching for the truth. And to be able to pass it on this way would work. It's in the big book. Well, it changes everything. It changes like the whole sponsor, sponsee dynamic, which is awesome. It makes it really easy. And like for me, it's just been like so uplifting and drama free because I have like the book at the center of the message. And it's not like some long ass like therapy conversation where I'm like, you know, taking the credit for my own message and getting my pride involved with all that stuff. And which, you know, leads to expectation of people like following direction and frustration, just all that stuff just goes away, you know, and it's really just about, okay, cool. I'm using this tool right now to connect to God and to my divine purpose. You know, yeah, it talks about, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Keep going. Oh no, I was just saying like, I when mean, it it's talks- really clear in the, in the big book about what God's will is too, which always seemed very enigmatic to me, you know? And what they say is God's will or God's thinking, which is the absolute opposite of self-will, which is, you know, our thoughts, is how can I best serve thee? You know, Mm. which is basically how can I best serve God? They said that's the proper use of the will. That's how we need to align our thinking. And Mm -hmm. like what you said, Billy, before, like the jumping off place they talk about in the big book of We Agnostics is, okay, cool. Am I choosing to believe whether God is everything or God is nothing? And if God is everything, and that was what my choice was, then God's will is, how can I serve this moment that's being presented to me right now? And that's mm-hmm. it. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I, I also love the, the simplicity of, you know, I have things highlighted and underlined, and I've even, take it one step, I've even taken it one step further, which is I'm writing things in the notes that I'm having people I do this with write the same things in their notes. So it's literally you know exactly what you're doing you're reading it right from the book and each sentence is it can spawn a a conversation but it's not like i think that there is a lot i i always was a little bit unclear of what i was supposed to be talking about when i was going through the 12 and 12 i feel like there is a lot of like he said like there's a lot of self and ego and like you know it's a lot of it is open to interpretation like like, how do you do step one? Like, what? It, how do you do step one out of the big book or out of the 12 and 12? You just read that paragraph, that, that, that little chapter, and that's it? That page and a half, and you send them away and have them write about 10 ways that they're powerless and 10 ways that their life is unmanageable. And then you sit and you have an hour and a half discussion about that stuff with them. I mean, that's how, that's basically the idea of how it used to be done when I did it. You know, and that to me is cool, but. I mean, where's the program in that? And where is learning about what powerlessness actually is and what alcoholism actually is? I mean, to admit that you're powerless over alcohol, I mean, you have to really have an understanding of what the physical allergy is, you know, because that's I mean, the powerlessness aspect. I mean, I mean, does it even explain really what that triangle stands for and symbolizes? No. Anywhere it, in the 12 and 12? I don't know. Like the... Like step one without the doctor's opinion is like, I don't even know what that is. You know, <laughs> you, you have to understand 
like what alcoholism is to even understand that, right? How did you go through the steps? What do you mean? Like, I went through, it took me... What, did you do it through the big book? Or big the book, absolutely. Uh, Starting from reading the very start, I read through the whole thing, you know. With who? This guy named Alan Libus. Did he have you underline and highlight shit? Oh, yeah. My oh. four step took a month. Wow. You know? It was thorough. How, I, 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 I can't remember how far we got that first time, Michaelis, but. I can't either. <laughs> it was a long time ago. You know, I was, it, it was curious. I was talking to this guy at this, this last sober living house that I was working at. And he, he was talking about how his sponsor told him that, that he wants to run him through the steps in two months. And, you know, um, so that he can start, you know, sponsoring people. And I thought and it, it felt a little off to me, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, this guy had some years on him like, you know, and he had sponsored, you know, quite a few people. So I didn't, you know, like, who am I to say like what he's doing is wrong. But, you know, the guy only had like, you know, four months of sobriety and he was like, wants to have him like in month five of sobriety. I mean, dude, sponsoring you, you, people you just can't, seems... how are you going to argue with the fucking big book? How are you going to argue with what it says in the book? And what Bill was doing in his first 60 days, he had to True. work with yeah. others. He had to work with others right yeah. away to stay sober. So if you can, I mean, if you can do the steps in 60 days, then cool. But like, but you have to understand like how people worked with others then versus what they do today is different. Like sponsor sponsor comes with, comes with this like whole connotation of like, this person is almost like your guru that you go to for advice on what directions to go in your life, you know? Did you, and that's not what sponsorship was then. Yeah. Did you know yeah, that, so, did you know if they use, do you know if the word sponsorship is talked about anywhere in the big book? Billy. Uh, do they talk about like a spiritual guide or something? They don't say sponsor, no. They don't say, yeah, they, no, they don't the, say sponsor. The, the, they the, talk about. But hold on. The actual word sponsor does not appear anywhere in the big book. Mm -mm. Is that insane that, that we have just, what are we doing? Well, well, I tell you what we're doing. I'll tell you what we're doing. We're, we're conflating and we're like ruining yet another amazing thing. The same way we ruined Christianity. Yeah, it's like what we're do well, what they're doing to AA is like creating like the denominations of the church in a sense. Well, you this know? this idea of a sponsor is like totally like ego. It's like an ego b b thing boost. Like, raise your hand if you're willing to sponsor. I'm fucking cool. I have the most sponsees. Like, I'm fucking. It's like, dude, everyone's supposed to be working with other people as much as possible. I mean, that's what I'm getting from it, hmm. Michaelis. And, it, and it, it, it does feel like more right. It feels like here's the thing is I went into this with Michaelis, you know, you know, after being a devout prime timer, like fucking thumping. I'm like, I talk about this shit like so I've ded I dedicated my whole life to like this idea that I'm selfish, self-centered and fault finding. And I, I mean, I, I, so I was very attached to that idea that you are. So, yeah. <laughs> so is everyone. Yeah. 
You might be more than others. Though. Whatever. That's not the point. The point is, is that I have an open mind and I've been shown something new or not new, but like something I've been shown this, which is from Michaelis, which is the actual oh. book. And he's describing shit to me that makes more sense. Because I'm actually willing to listen yeah, and have an open mind. I just don't want you to abandon the selfish because it does say in the big book that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our trouble and it is important. It, it, For sure. It, just the way you approach it, you find that you can do it differently, but it still needs to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, well, well, the 12 I steps mean, do address that. I mean, that's what they do. So the... The way the big book addresses is it says take other people through the big book as many as you possibly can. The only way that we can beat selfishness is through selflessness and we need to act our way into that, right? So we need to set aside hours of our day, chunks of time. And in fact, they say strenuous work when I'll talk another, right? So that means as many people as you possibly can devote all your spare time to it, to taking people through the book, right? So just like with anything else with repetition and consistency like that's where that shift comes from it's not coming from identifying where you're selfish you know like it's going to come from actually practicing selflessness well, and that's how it's going to permeate through everything else i agree because yeah putting putting that into action but there's also times where you have relief from selfish thinking and there's people who aren't in aa that you can be unselfish to as well or selfless but I hear what you're saying, but, um, I've never gotten relief from selfish thinking. What does that mean? No, no selfless. Like, oh. like you'll, you may not be working with somebody, but you can have a prayer or talk to God and see, Oh, I'm thinking selfish. Like you can have the realization and then that would be selfless. And maybe you're hanging out with your grandma who isn't in the, you know, 12 steps, but you can still act totally. So lovingly like rather they, than selfishly. They talk about service in general, helping like treat the spirit or perfecting, enlarging our spiritual life. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Any kind of service, no matter what is helpful. That's what we're here for. That's how we connect to God. The thing from my experience is that like, because of my human condition, it's not natural for me to be, selfless i know you know that's just how i am so i need to have something to practice that and because the reality is i can't like necessarily pull a selfish thought or a selfless moment into my day every single time that i need it yeah you know, and what on you're my saying own. i need to have a practice that like pushes me into that that i'm consistent with so that it starts spreading out into all my affairs consistently Right. What you're saying is in my entire sobriety, I have not done this at all. So I've been completely selfish. I'm not saying that you're being completely selfish. I'm sure you felt reward. And what I mean reward is like felt good at the times that you were selfless. I'm just saying that I'm sure it's been challenging for you to maintain a consistent selfless attitude and thinking throughout your time which is i'm sure created unmanageability in your life just like as it did for mine probably that's, that's probably why it took so long for me to get where i'm at i guess but also like i think that it's just it, it, it it's just the best 
like solution and it's like the easiest it's the root it's where it all came from and it's like what we it's how we treat the disease right that's it and it's like since i've been doing it it's made it a little bit easier and it's made it a little bit better and i'd like to do it more the first like 10 years of my sobriety were spent yeah. not working the program this way. They were spent doing the program in all the other different ways, you know, from uh, 12 and 12 work to Big Book Awakenings to Prime Time to all different stuff, right? And because of that, I didn't have that spiritual experience, you know, that personality change, the change from selfish to selfless, you know, consistently. That didn't mean that I wasn't of service at times and all that stuff, but... I also had times of like really deep frustration and lots of anger and lots of worry and fear, you know, but since I've been doing this process, you know, slowly but surely, I don't really feel those things today. That's just not my experience. I'm not afraid of anything today. I'm not depressed today. I'm not anxious about stuff today. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm really feeling good, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. You're keeping it simple, and it's right there, and it's been there from the beginning, and we should practice it as much as possible. Yeah, but, like, are we willing? Like, I I, I, I need to make... I, I, It's, like, it's really hard, bro. Like, I feel like people just aren't really willing. Like, it doesn't I, matter. No, but, like, I'm trying. Like, I want... I'm going to start taking Tullus through the book, too. And like Mikey keeps putting it off and Danielle doesn't care anymore. And it's like, I, I, I really, like I told Prosser anytime, any day, like I will put anything aside to do this. And I've been doing it with Jordan a little bit, but maybe I need to make more of an effort. Or make set times and f go find more people. Like I don't sit around and waste time. Like, you know, because check it out. When I'm in the process with people, there are times where most people fall off, right? If they even get started. One is definitely in Bill's story when they have to do their writing. Two is in the uh, fourth step. And three is in the ninth step time, right? Because yep. they take yep. time to go actually do write stuff. So does that mean like while they're taking that time, like those few weeks or whatever, I'm not going to be working with people? No. Which means I have to constantly be chasing looking for people so i'm always at different parts of the book with multiple people at all times to make sure that i have at least one person to be working with every day you it's know fucking Which crazy today these days winds up being one or three people you know where do you find your people i'm lucky today in this time people have been finding me but in the beginning i had to find them at meetings you know i had to go to sober livings and be like, yo, can I come and work with people? I mean, I just chased it. I really did. But let me yeah. ask you this. You don't get bored. I mean, you're reading the same book every day, over and over, over and over, <laughs> over and over. It, it doesn't become monotonous. You know, it's interesting. No, <laughs> that's a good question. Every time, every time it's a new conversation with everybody else, you know, mm. and it's always like, you know, it's also a challenge, which makes it exciting to be able to find a way to make what we're reading heard by the person who I'm sitting across from. That part is interesting for me. But yeah, I mean, I've learned so much too. I mean, because I've worked with people that had twice as much time as me, you know, so I've, I've learned, I've learned a lot. 
through every but different yeah, conversation. But I think also like when you witness somebody having like an aha moment, it's amazing. Yeah, it's and, red. It's and then the you have one and like when he and like his excitement for it is really intoxicating. He's like, all right, this shit's this is about to be fucking good right here we're about we just got to the doctor's opinion it's like good <laughs> stuff you know like this is like that shit you know nobody like, likes the doctor i mean not the doctor's no, opinion but the can way, be so redundant sometimes you but know no but like the way that what we're underlining and the and, and what he's explaining about it is like really it's really dope and this dude dr silkworth right yeah, good job. He was, a, <laughs> he was a neurologist, you know, yeah. like he was he was a smart dude who studied the brain. And it was like, I don't know, it's just fucking interesting. It's cool. It's like they didn't fucking know what to do with these people. And like some smart people who cared got together and like figured out this like weird mix of like religion and like self uh, helping others and and self-help. And it just all kind of like clicked. So, so Michaela's like, what, what I'm, I'm kind of gathering is when you talk about like this, like kind of peace you have and like this calmness you feel like about yourself now, or, like, you know, as you know, this journey and your this part of your journey, like, is it because like you have like a, like a total trust in like your understanding of the book now that like you feel very secure in like what you think and like how you feel about this book that it's given you the ability to kind of reach this like new like level of like serenity, like while teaching it and while also being a part of it. I think really what it's given me is a complete trust and faith in God. And that's right. really what's done it. Yeah. I mean, the book itself is cool. You know, there are things in the book that I think are total bullshit. But I mean, it's definitely developed a relationship with God for sure. But and also, you've also talked to me about having the discipline. Like it's taught him to be disciplined and to like do contrary action every day, which has motivated him to work out. And it's like, it's like you said, it's training wheels for life. And like when you're working with other people, you learn how to like interact with people. And like, I don't know, it's, mm, it really does. It spills over. It's yeah, a discipline. Yeah. It's like, we got to We got it. We got to get a day. Just well, one I'm hour. already here. I'm already doing twice a week here. Oh, twice a week. Well, no, I'm doing the, this, nature hike oh and i'm doing tonight which is like four hour five hour stint i don't know if i can commit to it but we'll think about it we'll try <laughs> one hour well we're gonna do it uh dude i really want to all right so That's we're gonna awesome. set like, we're gonna, I was gonna even ask you we're gonna about set one hour aside every single week and we're gonna try to do more but let's at least do one hour and I'm going to take Just do one minute. hour, dude. Because the thing is, is that you also want to give Tullus the opportunity to find other people, right? So like, like we're talking about, the magic happens when he passes it on to others. So, so give him those other six days to find to people to work with. When you guys are going to do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I Just, would love but that. But set a time. Same day, same time every week. Yeah, well, I think we, should, we could do like Wednesday at, 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 at after dinner. Wednesday at yeah. 7. Well, I'll text you guys Wednesday at seven. Um, do you think it's okay if Tullus takes people through the book here at the Sober Living? Why not? Yeah, so that's that's what I really want you, yeah. you Woody and Mikey. I want each of you to be doing it with someone else in the house. Okay. Well, cause, for you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Can we wind? But up? still find other people though. Yeah. Okay. I because uh, okay. it's a as a staff member, it's kind of a 
we can't they're, we're not supposed to sponsor people well you're not sponsoring them okay i know i know i know well, you're just going through the book with them you're just doing stuff it's, where it's actually like more been it's like it's almost but, like beneficial that, more to me than it, anything, it, you know it actually like, is and here's the thing it is gives like, me like you know here's the thing for me is i kind of want to put certain things i want to leave certain things at the door as far as what we think we know about what sober living is supposed to be and what this program is supposed to look like. I mean, what we say before we start is every time is just God help me forget everything I think I know about this book, about this process and about you, God, so I can have an experience with you. So like you taking a new alcoholic through this book, I don't care if they're under this roof or not. Like it's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for this house. I don't give a shit what the rest of the world thinks. Right. If it was up to the rest of the world, I wouldn't be filming any of this shit. We wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast right now. Yeah. All right, Michaelis, thank you so much. We got to wrap up here. Sweet. Thanks for having me. I'll see All you right. guys. Later, bro. Later. See you, brother. Bye.